I still can't believe I'm doing this, but let's go. Welcome to this fun little podcast. This is the very first episode of the Emotional Baggage Queen podcast, a podcast about all things to do with psychology, well-being, and self-acceptance. I know this podcast will be coming out soon after International Women's Day, so I just want to say that I hope you make time to do something special for the women in your life, including yourself if you fit into that category. Now, before we jump into the topics I prepared for you today, I owe you a proper introduction. So hi, my name is Sarah, I'm a passionate psychology student with a bachelor's degree in the field, and I first became interested in psychology in high school when I had my first psychology class. It has been six years since, and I must say a lot has changed. I went from knowing almost nothing about the field to seeing how beautiful and how diverse it is. And currently, I am most interested in aplerium psychotherapy, positive psychology, and acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT. I love reading material on these topics, and I'm really looking forward to learning more, and hopefully practicing them one day. But enough about me. Let me tell you more about this podcast. The truth is, I've wanted to start a podcast for a really long time now, but there was a lot holding me back workload, anxiety, but mostly the fear of it not being good enough. But this year, I put starting my podcast on the top of my to-do list. I don't do New Year's resolutions. Instead, I'd like to do a yearly to-do list that I really try to get through. And I got tired of fear holding me back. I've let fear hold me back from so many different opportunities, like studying abroad, starting new hobbies, and even making new friends. But I've decided that this year, that 2023 is the year I will kick fear in its bum and start a podcast even though it still really scares me. One of the main reasons why is because I really want to get better at public speaking and voicing my own opinions, especially when it comes to psychology. And so here I am. To avoid my podcast being just a collection of my own ramblings, I have decided to chop it up into three main parts. The first part is the one you're listening to right now. In this part, I'll always be talking about what's new in my life, accomplishments I've achieved, or projects I'm currently working on. It's always going to be light and changing and current, and in this first episode, I replaced it by this lengthy introduction. Other times, I may talk about current things that are happening in my own life, current things that are happening in the world, for example, paper I'm researching, or art I'm working on, and anything else that may concern current events. The second part will be the so-called main part, which will let me indulge into a topic that I have researched and prepared beforehand. In this episode, I will be talking about something that has been trending all over social media, but especially TikTok, the lucky girl syndrome. I think it's really important to look at the psychology and the impacts behind trends like these. 
If you're interested in the psychology behind different social media trends and their impacts on mental health, then this episode is definitely for you. And before I dive in, the third part will always talk about a new or relatively new research study. And of course, it'll be connected to the theme of the episode. This is because I want to push myself to read more research studies and not just skim them, but really understand them. So let's dive in, shall we? If you've never heard of the lucky girl syndrome, it is a new trend that has taken TikTok by storm in the past couple of weeks. According to TikTok, it is a state of being in which everything happens to work out for you and opportunities fall into your lap. Even though it may seem like the lucky girl syndrome is a new trend, you may recognize it as a reincarnation of the secret from 2006. That was a book and a documentary that talked about the law of attraction, similarly to the bad girl trend. The lucky girl syndrome is largely focused about monetary wealth and mostly practiced by women as well as targeted at women. It has been most promoted on TikTok by an influencer that I am not going to name. She says that the secret is to assume and believe it before the concrete proof shows up. And her favorite phrase is to be delusional. Her life, as shown on social media at least, seems absolutely perfect. She has more than 170,000 followers and a talent manager. She is regularly sent gifts from publicists hoping she'll love and promote their products. And her day-to-day -day videos are filled with expensive self-care practices like spray tans, facial fillers, and hair and lash extensions. Of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong with these self-care practices, except that they may not be available to everyone. Her TikToks are very fun to watch, and the only part of her social media life that someone sent me aback was her advice on how to spot insecure friends. This by itself might not seem like a bad idea. However, she goes on to say that this is important not in order to help them or support your friends, but to avoid negative energy in your life. Which is something I must disagree with. Because if you see that your friend is feeling insecure, I think it's much more important to lend them an ear or a hand than to cut them out of your life. And this is the kind of toxic and negative thinking that is quite common among the community of lucky girls. Similarly to affirmations, the lucky girl syndrome trend comes with mantras. I am personally not against mantras at all, but I do believe that if a mantra should work, it has to be one you came up for yourself and it has to be personal. It has to mean something to you. So people using vague copy and cut mantras like things are always working out for me no matter what and the universe is rigged in my favor may not be the way to go about it. If you are interested in how to create a mantra for yourself, one that has a better chance of working and helping you achieve the goals that you have set out for yourself, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram and I can take you through the process. A lot of social media trends that use keywords like positive energy or manifesting are doing this as a way to bait their audience into looking at their content and therefore getting a higher engagement. And it seems that especially TikTok seems to be stuck in this cycle of so-called well-being trends. Like that girl, 
Vanilla Girl, Coconut Girl, Visco Girl, and the current one being Lucky Girl Syndrome. There is even a viral song trending on TikTok that promises if you listen to the song every single morning, you will catch the Lucky Girl Syndrome. Lucky Girl Syndrome videos are selling the idea that creators are lifestyle experts and can help you achieve your goals. They're selling the idea that these influencers and these creators are worth following if you want more money, more success, more love in your life, or more happiness. These types of videos and trends also seem to focus around self-improvement. But many times, they're more about increasing one's own individual luck at the expense of others. As well as ignoring the privilege of the creators, most of whom are young, attractive women with large followings who live off promoting other people's businesses. In the end, it really seems to come down to toxic positivity, which we define as the excessive and ineffective overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state across all situations. And this process of toxic positivity results in denial, minimization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. Meaning that trying to always stay positive, no matter what you are going through, can actually be more harmful than good. It is important to feel our entire range of emotions, whether that is being angry and frustrated or happy and positive. But of course, it is hard to blame people that follow these trends and make them so popular. Among the plentiful crises and problems around the world, it is natural that individuals want to strive for better than what they have, and so they prefer to romanticize their lives. On social media especially, we are surrounded by people who seem to be happier, prettier, and smarter than us. And when we watch the same people tell us that they got there by manifesting it with inciting mantras, like I get paid to exist or wealth is my birthright, we might want to fall into that trap of fantasy. However, if we really follow the logic of the lucky girl syndrome, we will inevitably come to the conclusion that all misfortune or hardships that people go through are their responsibility. If everything good in life is at fault of positive thinking, then logically, people must be at fault for any negative life circumstances by not being able to think positively enough. However, I do not think or believe that any of these creators or influencers are promoting this idea. Individuals that follow and give in to trends like Lucky Girl Syndrome are mostly young women who are hoping to get better grades, get a raise, or want their crush to ask them out. And I'd like to end this part by saying that, of course, a positive mindset can go a long way. But that doesn't mean that behind all these supposed manifestations, there isn't hard work and discipline. We all had a classmate or two that talk or sometimes brag even about not studying at all, but they still somehow managed to get the perfect marks. And yes, there might be some very lucky people out there that get good grades without studying, but for most students, they have to study to achieve those same high standards because nobody gets good grades and excellent results by manifesting them. They work for them. And this goes for anything that you might see on social media. 
for every perfect selfie that you might see on social media, there is probably a hundred that didn't make it. So it is important to think about this when we try to compare ourselves or try to fall for trends like these. Because in reality, the best way to improve ourselves and to get to be the best version of ourselves is by self-reflection and really putting in the work. Now, for the last part of this podcast, I won't be talking about a research article per se, but chapter 20 from a book called Positive Emotions, Integrating the Light Sides and Dark Sides. It is a book where nearly every chapter is written by different authors, and it covers very many different topics of positive emotions. It is edited by June Gruber, PhD, and Judith Tedley Moskowitz, PhD, and it was a very interesting read. I highly recommend this book to anyone who has interest in the pursuit of happiness or positive psychology. The book looks at how there has been an explosion of interest on happiness and positive emotions in both scientific literature but also popular press. And while positive emotion is generally considered a source of good outcomes, recent scientific work in psychology has highlighted the ways that positive emotions and happiness can be under certain conditions maladaptive. Chapter 20 covers the paradoxical effect of pursuing positive emotion, when and why wanting to feel happy backfires, and it was written by Brett Q. Ford and Iris B. Mills. In this chapter, the authors focus on happiness as a positive emotion that many people aim towards and define the term as incorporating life satisfaction, subjective well-being, and psychological health. It is also important to note that feeling happy is separate from being happy. When looking at the paradoxical effect of pursuing happiness, the main question that may come to us is, do people want to feel happy? This is one of the questions that this chapter tries to answer. And looking at both anecdotal reports and research, the answer is a simple yes. From evidence like a study by Diener et al. that looked at an international sample of college students, we can agree that happiness is an important goal for many people. According to the authors, there may be two reasons for this. The first are culturally transmitted ideas and artifacts that tend to espouse the pursuit of happiness, particularly in the Western culture. For instance, the pursuit of happiness is mentioned in the Declaration of Independence of the United States, which I believe we can all agree on being an important cultural artifact. Another example can be modern media, for example, the TikTok trends that we talked about, like Lucky Girl Syndrome, that promises individuals to be happier if they follow creators or influencers, as well as plenty of new age self-help books that are being published every day. Engaging with culturally transmitted ideas of happiness promoting media can show to motivate individuals to pursue happiness. For example, a study looked at young children around the ages of four to five who read two different types of storybooks. The first type had a calm main character, and the second type had a very positive and happy main character. 
Those children that read the second type of book were more likely to subsequently engage in activities that promote greater levels of happiness. However, since we are talking about the paradoxical effects of happiness, there are many studies that show the complete opposite. The more an individual values happiness, correlationally speaking, the more likely they are to report lower emotional well-being, higher depressive symptoms, as well as being more likely to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder. This is often because they believe that how happy they are at any given moment says a lot about how worthwhile their life is. And therefore, many researchers and psychologists have concluded that the more people want to be happy, the unhappier they actually become. However, of course, since most of this research has been correlational, the opposite might be true. The more unhappy people are, the more they wish to feel happiness. To test this, there was a study done using music, conducted by Schooler et al. in 2003. One group of participants were asked to listen to ambiguous music, music that was neither cheerful or sad, and asked to try to feel as happy as possible while the other group was asked to simply enjoy the music and listen to it. The group that was asked to try to feel as happy as possible reported that their mood actually worsened compared to before the experiment. There are many reasons why the pursuing of happiness may have paradoxical outcomes. The first is that one sets high and unrealistic standards for happiness. They want to feel over the moon about something, and when they don't, they're met with disappointment. The second is that an individual might try to engage in counterproductive actions to attain happiness, and they are met with lower happiness as a result. This is because actions or activities are only seen as a means to an end, and therefore the person will not actually enjoy them. The activity can lose its intrinsic appeal. And the third is constantly monitoring of one's emotional states because it undermines the happiness experience. So finding out that pursuing happiness is associated with negative outcomes may lead us down a quite uh, pessimistic path. <laughs> if the pursuit of happiness is ineffective and counterproductive, should we simply give up? The simple answer, of course, is no. But... There is a supposedly scientific and correct way to pursue happiness. Firstly, instead of setting unreasonably high expectations and seeing happiness as an end goal of our actions, we should set manageable standards for happiness. Disengaging for unattainable goals is an important aspect of psychological health. And this is why I am a big supporter of acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT for short, and positive psychology, because this is one of the biggest principles in both of those. Secondly, we should engage in productive actions or activities for the sake of doing them. There are some activities that psychological research suggests um, to be helpful in pursuing happiness, and these are pursuing social experiences, selfless functioning, pro-social expenditures, and other support socially driven activities, because these have been shown scientifically to increase happiness.
However, if you're an introvert like me, this might sound very scary. But don't worry, outside of social activities, research also shows that activities that help with our emotional regulation or ones that can help us get into a sort of flow state are also helpful. So this can be exercise, creative activities, or even reading a good book. And thirdly, we should try to avoid constant monitoring of our emotional state, as this can disrupt the experience of happiness. And if we don't allow ourselves to experience happiness, we won't actually feel happy. So we can do this by making the pursuit of our happiness more habitual. And an example would be incorporating the manageable goals and activities that I mentioned before into our day-to-day -day routine. So meet up with friends more, help your loved ones out with problems they might have, read a good book once in a while, engage in something creative, and you will end up feeling much better than simply following a creator on TikTok and using their mantras. And thank you for listening to the very first episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave a review. And follow me on social media for more of my content, as well as updates on when the next episode will be out and maybe some hints about what it will be about. 